And welcome to The Project Space, a podcast featuring some of the remarkable artists who have participated in the Project Space residency here at the Visual Studies Workshop in Rochester, New York. The Project Space residency has served both regional, national, and international artists for many years, providing a studio space and access to VSW facilities. I am Ernez Davis, the Assistant Director of Education here at VSW. For each episode, I will be in conversation with an artist or artist group to discuss their background, their practice, and how the Project Space Residency has impacted their works. In this episode, I will be speaking with the artist Granville Carroll. Granville came to VSW as a regional resident and as an extremely recent graduate of the MFA program at the Rochester Institute of Technology. During our conversation, we touched on how he uses photography, spirituality, and philosophy in his work, and what changed when he got to the residency. During his time here, Granville engaged very thoughtfully with the VSW community. So you will hear him refer to Tate Shaw, who is the director of VSW and the VSW Book Press, as well as Michael Darcy, who is a book artist and recent alum of VSW. I have also had many long conversations with Granville that stem from his thesis project at RIT, as well as the work he started while here at VSW. I am very excited to share this conversation that includes quite a bit of reflection of how Granville's time during the residency has impacted his work. Yeah, so my name is Granville Carroll, born in California, lived there for the first five years of my life, grew up in Washington State, but I moved all over, you know, almost every year and a half, two years. I lived in Arizona for seven years, Mm -hmm. and now I've been in New York for three And so I did my residency here at VSW uh, from September to October of 2021 this year. Mm. Uh, Really wonderful time. And I would describe my practice as, you know, one, I'm just an artist, you know, like I use photography as my main medium Mm -hmm. um, of choice. But, you know, I'm thinking about things in a lot of different ways that sometimes doesn't involve um, just visual media. but I'm thinking about sort of the ideas of blackness, you know, as a black artist, mm-hmm. there's all these projections and expectations and then things that are thrust upon us. Uh, and so, you know, instead of trying to run away from it, I confront it by redefining the narrative around blackness, associating it with the cosmos, associating it with power and origin story. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of my digital work incorporates myself, you know, as a self-portrait artist, but then also the landscape and trying to find the meeting place of the two. Uh, And then also using poetry, you know, as a way to share the existential (laughs) ramblings of my mind. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) that's wonderful. How did you decide to apply for the VSW Project Space Residency? Mm -hmm. And what was the application process like for you? Yeah, so... I initially actually wasn't going to apply. Mm-hmm. I was like, and, I, okay. I, don't, I don't know about this. Yeah. Um, but so I had started this project, Dark Matter, which is what I worked on during my residency here mm-hmm. um, earlier this year. And I knew I wanted it to be a book. So I'm sort of challenging myself to work in a different medium, if you will, right? It's still photography, photo-based. Mm-hmm. Uh, but thinking about it in a book... Uh, and what that container means for the work, yeah. um, using poetry, using representational and abstract imagery. So when it came down to apply to the residency, I had a couple friends who, you know, sent it to me and was like, oh, Grandpa, you should check this out. And 
And I was like, oh, I don't know. You know, I'm teaching, I'm working. Um, you know, I've got all this stuff going on. Uh, and then one of my coworkers at the museum uh, was like, you know, you should really apply. So I was like, all right, fine. So I decided on the day that it was due <laughs> that I would apply and submit mm-hmm. an application. Um, and it was actually really easy. You know, I had looked at the application prior to the due date. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of hard, though, because it was like you have to be very concrete and direct. Yeah. Uh, so it's like, you know, describe your practice in 200 words. And it's like, my God. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I was like sitting there like, all right, let's distill what it is that I do, what this project is about, which yeah. I think actually is really helpful, right? Because it takes out all the fluff and all the yeah. unnecessary material um, and just allows you to get straight to the point. Mm-hmm. This is your first residency. Is that right? Yes. Yes, it is. Okay. Yeah. Making well, yes, sure. It <laughs> all right. So then what were your expectations coming in? And also... You know, you talked about before about a little bit of a resistance, like, why do, why do I need this? Or is this for me? I'm doing all these other things. And so then when people were suggesting that you do a residency, um, what were your thoughts about what it might have been like? Mm-hmm. And then um, how did that coincide with or even challenge your expectations, especially since this was your first one? Yeah, I think... You know, I try to go into new experiences without expectation mm-hmm. because, you know, that could lead into false hope, which can lead into disappointment. And I oh. didn't want to be disappointed, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I didn't want to have like this idea of what it was supposed to be like. Yeah. But I think a part of me, you know, especially being someone of a newly graduate, you know, from grad school, mm-hmm. you know, graduating in 2020, I think I had a slight expectation in, in which like more people would be around and would be like saying, oh, you should try this, you should do that. You know, like all these voices, right, mm-hmm. that you have in grad school to like direct your work in one way or another. But coming here, it was like, all right, well, we loved your proposal. We are really down for this project. Um, so here's the facilities, here's the resources. Let us know what we can do for you and just have fun. And I was like, that is amazing, uh-huh. you know? <laughs> You've just graduated from RIT with mm-hmm. your MFA. Yep. So that's a three-year program. Two-year. Oh, okay. Two, two year. years. Mm-hmm. Um, so really intense. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, two-year MFA programs are very concentrated intense. Uh-huh. And coming into this environment that is outside of what you're used to, VSW is also in Rochester, but mm-hmm. it's a different part of the town. And I'm also wondering if that came into it as well but breakdown amazing like amazing yeah um so you know freeing for one right just to be giving to be given a space to work in Mm -hmm. you know that's really beautiful amazing studio and i was like i don't ever want to leave this space (laughs) um so yeah it was nice to have like a dedicated workspace outside Mm -hmm. of my home because i usually just work you know in my apartment here in Mm -hmm. rochester um but then just having the freedom to come and go at any hours of the day or the night, um, you know, and then when people were around, they were still very much like willing to speak with me and, and uh, you know, share their time and energy, which is always for me a gift, you mm-hmm. know, that I like to receive in gratitude. I had space to think, time yeah. to explore and experiment and to move through my process uninhibited. You know, and I feel like in grad school or even undergraduate, you know, is like you have all these people who are trying to push you in one direction or another. And, you know, usually it comes from a good place. And but it can feel inhibiting sometimes, Mm -hmm. right? Like being told what you should do Mm -hmm. instead of just 
having the space to work through your ideas and you know pull it apart and bring it back together and take the fragments away and reposition it you know it's just yeah so all of that was just like amazing yeah but also seeing as though i wanted to make a book Mm -hmm. i was like well vsw is known for bookmaking yeah okay so let's talk about this book (laughs) yeah okay what do you want to know (laughs) well i want you to talk about your process and your experience with Coming in with this idea of how you you wanted to work in this medium, mm-hmm. had you made books before? No, this would this is my first book. Yeah. So then, how did you come to thinking of the work that you've put into this book as being a book project? Mm-hmm. Was it VSW or was it something that kind of fit with something you already had in mind to work with this body of work? Yeah. So I mean, I did take a bookmaking class in grad school, mm-hmm. you know, and that was really fun. So I think that sort of has been lingering in my mind about like, oh, okay, how can I incorporate this into my practice? Um, after grad school, I created a new project called mm-hmm. In the Finite Infinitely, and it's sort of like an extension from my thesis project uh, because the sun has looked upon me. So, but I just started thinking to myself and asking questions about like, all right, I'm really comfortable with digital composites and mm-hmm. making these like really, in some ways, abstract um, images of the body within these imaginative spaces, you mm-hmm. know? And I started to go through my archive of images and I was like, I have thousands and thousands of photographs that have never seen the light of day mm-hmm. that nobody has ever been able to experience and that even myself as a photographer have hasn't really spent time with so i was like i wonder if i can make a project around these images and then using those images to influence the images that i would take mm-hmm. in the future for the project uh, and I also wanted to challenge myself to not use digital composites hmm. in the work. Okay. I wanted um, no self-portraits either mm-hmm. because those are two things that I am used to doing, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's, I think that's what most people have come to know my work as. Mm-hmm. And so I said, yeah, all right, I'm going to challenge myself. And so I did it. So the book, I wanted it to be something experimental, you know, like a book is a book, right? Mm-hmm. But I wanted to sort of shift it a little bit and just create a different experience, you know, because a lot of my work is digital. And because of COVID, you know, I've had, you know, really wonderful opportunities to show my work digitally. But I wanted to have something physical Mm -hmm. for people to interact with and see, you know, the materiality of the image uh, and to just dive into it, you know, in a different manner. And I, I also want you to talk a little bit about anything that you learned in that process, especially with this physical medium where you're challenging yourself to mm-hmm. step outside of um, how you would approach your work. So without self-portraiture and without composites. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'd say one thing that was really challenging is because of the way my mind works when it comes to photographs. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll go out, I'll take these pictures of the landscape or myself or whatever. And I'm like, oh, there's so many possibilities of what I can do with this image, right? Yeah. To take it into Photoshop and just completely transform it. So as I'm going through my archive and I'm pulling, you know, I guess what you can consider maybe the rejects for my composites, <laughs> um, <laughs> I started to say to myself, oh, damn, there's actually 
a lot of potential that I could use, you know, but I was like, no, 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 you can't use that for a composite. It's going to be for the book. Yeah. Because um, that was another thing is, right, is that the book incorporates abstract and representational images that are like more in line with sort of you take a picture, you do some adjustments with it, and that's what it is. Yeah. But making a book is just a whole different world. So you have to think about how is it going to be produced? Um, how is it going to potentially be published? Mm-hmm. And when you're designing it, you have to think about, okay, is this going to be hand-stitched? Mm-hmm. Or is this going to be uh, perfect bound? Is this going to lay flat? Is it going to be spark? You know, it's all of these things that I was like, oh, Lord, what did I get myself into? <laughs> you know? But it's been, like, really, really fun. And, you know, having the, the community here, you know, at VSW in Rochester to sort of teach me yeah. these ways uh, you know, like Michael Darcy, one of the alumni here, he's very good at artist books and has taught me a lot about like, all right, Grandma, well, now you have to start thinking about X, Y, and Z, you know, like the type of paper that I want to use. Mm-hmm. What is the cover going to look mm-hmm. like? Uh, the sequencing of the images and um, yeah, and just like the size of the book too, like just all of these different variables. It's been really fun. But I also realize there's a lot more work to be done. Yeah. Because so. I, I remember uh, seeing your first iteration. And by the time I returned and was like, how, okay, how are the books going? You had five. Yes. And you're on the fifth book. And even me. So I'm, I, you know, I would say that I'm. I will use the word notorious for being the not book person. I'm uh-huh. not a book person here at BSW. Uh-huh. I'm the photo person. And so one of the things I really enjoyed about going into your studio was seeing those quote unquote rejects. And I laugh when you say that, cause I'm like, these are beautiful images yeah. and usually outdoors of trees. And I have a memory of how you sequence them on the wall mm-hmm. in between older works that were self portraits. And I thought all of them together really add to the images that are quote unquote straight images. Right. And, um, and I'm wondering if they added any significance to you as well. But in terms of the book, mm-hmm. you had like a happy accident on one of the printers with oh, ink. Yes. Do you remember that? Yes. <laughs> I remember walking in and you're so happy about it. Yeah. Yeah. So for the folks listening, uh, so dark matter is, inc- is incorporating the, the images, but it also is using uh, poetry. Yes. So I have my own original poems uh, that I wrote for this for this project. So I'm experimenting with different black papers because I want to do black ink on black paper, you know, so that you have to really look at it and interact with it, right? And to also sort of speak to the idea of dark matter being this elusive substance uh, that we have yet to fully come to understand. So I'm experimenting with different black papers to see about like the density, the fill, all the stuff. So I'm like, put it in there and I put the wrong piece in the printer mm-hmm. that already had a poem written on it. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah. And it ended up, you know, by the grace of God, <laughs> actually being the same exact poem that got printed on that page, but it was askew visually it was really beautiful but then the way that you read it was sort of like this repetition and it had this rhythm to it and i was like wow i never would have thought to do this Mm -hmm. but thank you printer for messing up (laughs) my initial printing process and making me having to go through it again and then me not even being aware of what i did and 
you know, it's like those are the moments that I live for and, and just art making in general. You know? Yeah, I would imagine that because you're so skilled in composite and even skilled in photography, that that wouldn't that would happen less so in that process. Is that true? No, it's not actually. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's why I love composites. Yeah. Because you know? um, like I'll have an idea for what I want to do. But there's so much that happens throughout the process where, you know, one, it just doesn't work because digitally, you know, the way that light is interacting and tones and stuff are laying mm -hmm. upon each other. It just there's some limitations still. Yeah. Right. You can't just do anything. But I try to stay within that space of of the unknown mm -hmm. uh, while I'm making because it pushes me to think about things differently. Hmm. So, you know, like I come to it with this idea, like, okay, I want to take this mountain and I want to take this portrait that I have of myself uh, and I want to embed water and make it seem like we're underneath it or something, let's just say, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and I'll go in to try to make it and then I start to move things around differently and then I'll like add a layer of color onto it, which then shifts the way that I perceive it and then it shifts the way that I want to take the image. And so there's a lot there's a lot of play that happens hmm. and it's just like, you know, being in the moment and just being in the flow yeah, um, allows me to sort of recognize these experiences and then just lead with it, you know, cause the work, it's like the work is speaking for itself and says, this is what I want from you. Yeah. So I'll listen. That is very beautiful to hear because it, describes that happy accident or what I described as a happy accident. Mm -hmm. um, seeing that come out of the printer, quote unquote, incorrectly, <laughs> but being open to the surprises that this process um, gives you in terms of the actual layering, like an actual layering happened. Yeah. And then it spurred another thought about rhythm and repetition and added another um, layer of poetry to it. Absolutely. And also thinking about the visual aesthetics of uh -huh. words on a page. Yeah. You know, like, I think that's something that sometimes might get lost in translation. It's, yeah. you know, like we think about topography and, um, you know, like all this stuff, right? Along with fonts and size and all that. But, you know, thinking about the word mm -hmm. or words as an image, yeah, you know, and that happy accident allowed me to see how the way that the the words fall onto the page is also an image in and of itself, yeah, you know, and it it's what's going to create a whole different experience for the viewer as well. Instead of just like I'm reading a poem, but yeah. now you're actually looking and experiencing something, hopefully on a much deeper level. It's interesting to hear you speak about words and poetry as image, mm -hmm. because there are there are images of poetry in your latest body of work. It's uh, because the sun has looked upon me. Mm -hmm. Yes, and there are two prints um, that are are very striking in that they are essentially images. Yeah, so they're screen printed on clear acrylic. Oh, clear and acrylic. And it's backed by a steel sheet. Okay. Um, that's really heavy. Okay. So, yeah. So there's two poems. There's am I, I am, mm -hmm. and then there is I am. Yes. Do you want to talk about those pieces and how they relate to what you're doing with Dark Matter? And mm -hmm. has it evolved or added to any ideas that were associated with making essentially images of this poem or these two mm -hmm. poems as a part of your thesis work. Yeah, I, I think from the thesis work, those two poems, Am I, I Am, and then I Am, 
um, have definitely influenced the way that I've been thinking about this Dark Matter book. Mm -hmm. And part of it is sort of the reason why I wanted to continue with the poetry and image is because of that project, you know, my thesis project. Uh, and because I felt like those words had so much meaning and added so much value to the overall work itself, the body of work. I was like, oh, I have to continue this, you know, uh, because a little side note is that before I got into photography, I actually got into poetry um, and actually began writing, you know, all these poems. And I had this secret uh, poetry social media page, if you will. Yeah, <laughs> it's still it's still active. Uh, I don't use it anymore. But will you tell us the handle? Uh, I think it's Granville 17 on allpoetry.com. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I'll verify. We could put it in the notes or whatever. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when I made those pieces for Because the Sun Had Looked Upon Me, I actually played around with different uh, sub substrates, if mm -hmm. you will. So I actually ended up, I have a version of Am I I Am that is laser engraved on a piece of wood mm -hmm. that I then stained with a really dark, almost black wood stain. Uh, and then I painted half of the letters gold and left the other half black. Okay. So it's really hard for you to read the first half, which is part of the questioning aspect of self and identity and where I am in this world. Mm -hmm. And then the other half that is gold is me affirming my existence and then saying that here I am mm -hmm. in this capacity. And so like thinking about color, thinking about tones, thinking yeah. about... Uh, the way that light is hitting this this object mm -hmm. and either being sucked in or being released back out to the world, you know, like all of these things sort of came to mind. Mm -hmm. So when I was doing Dark Matter, you know, I initially had the first versions of the book had a lot of white pages. Mm -hmm. And what I kept hearing from people was that they're like, I don't want to see white pages. I just don't. Like these images are so dark and so beautiful that they just need to, there just needs to be something different. And can you say why you were using white pages? Cause there was a reason why. And I remember talking to you about that. Mostly it was cause it's just traditional, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it's sort of expected. Mm -hmm. So even though I was like, oh, I'm going to make this experimental book because I was so new to bookmaking mm -hmm. design, <clears throat> excuse me, design. Yeah. It was just, it was just the way to go. Um, but I was also thinking about, you know, early on in the residency, I had a conversation with Tate and I was like, you know, I just don't know if I feel comfortable with having the white pages either. You know, mm -hmm. like I totally hear what people are saying from an, from an aesthetic perspective, but conceptually it doesn't feel right hmm. because then what happens is that the whiteness becomes the foundation and the support for the book mm -hmm. and the idea for it is to let blackness be at the forefront. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I have to play with black pages somehow, but I just don't know. So between Michael and Tate and other folks to like, uh, black text on black image, Granville, <laughs> duh. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, okay, you're right. So, you know, it's really helpful to have these conversations with people, right? Yeah. Um, so they can get you outside of your own little limited thinking sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so I thought about that. I was like, oh, that's amazing because it's beautiful, but it speaks so much to the idea of dark matter. You know, like I said before, it's yeah. this elusive substance. Um, the viewer has to really engage with the words and really look at it. Uh, it's not making it easy for people to understand mm -hmm. or to, to see. Um, 
And so, yeah, so just thinking about the materiality, thinking about the experience of the viewer, uh, the experience that I'm having as a creator of it too, and like, how can I bridge the gap between myself and the, the person who's going to be looking at this? Yeah, and I think especially since you have such a strong conceptual basis for it, mm-hmm. yeah, when you combine it with a medium that does have those um, markers of what we're what we have experience with, you know, speaking as an artist who doesn't make books mm-hmm. but has experience with types of books, for instance, like, yeah. and I think of them as having um, essential parts, like a cover or some type of binding and some type of pages. But in an art context, when you're working with artists and we have a conceptual um, foundation that can be um, translated into a book, mm-hmm. then those things that you think are essential or that you can consciously um, assume should be there like oh the first page is going to be blank and what is blank it was blank it's a yeah. white page <laughs> yeah you know it's not necessarily a black page we don't think necessarily about the mm. color but for you in particular it's really great to hear going from this idea of this is just here but realizing that there is also a way of integrating that decision into mm-hmm. the concept yeah because i was always taught you know when you're working on a project you have to think about the technique the concept and the aesthetics, you know, like those are the pillars, those are the foundations uh, to create something that hopefully has power and meaning to it, you know? Mm -hmm. So sure, could I make something really beautiful and gorgeous, but if there's no concept, then what's the point, Mm -hmm. you know? And for you, especially you're making um, very rigorous, um, very rigorous work that is also very beautiful. And it's just, it was like a pleasure to go into your (laughs) studio all the time. I think it's really, really fascinating that one of the important aspects of your work is challenging the viewer to read, quote unquote, to Mm -hmm. read or to view or to take time. Um, A lot of your composite works are filled with information, are filled with process, Mm -hmm. but also are, um, particularly with your self-portraits, I think there is a lot of complications in there, especially when you are using your own body against the, like a nebula or yeah. a night sky. Mm-hmm. Um, and also in terms of how you display or show series of works with nature outside, some type of outside or something mm-hmm. that's coupled, but also has your hand in it clearly in terms of the compositeness and also the sharpness or the color. Mm-hmm. Um, when I hear you talk about the other iterations of these poems though, I would love to see the woodcut. But the yes. idea of the woodcut, what you're doing with the color on that also kind of, you know, it, it continues what you're doing in terms of I want to obscure and I, I want to elude maybe. Mm-hmm. And then with the gold, it is this stamp of existence and um, an assertion of yourself. Right. It's interesting because, OK, so one of the things that we've talked about before is this struggle that you have with asserting yourself. Mm-hmm. So I kind of want you to talk about where that comes from. And then also um, this consistent um, want for the viewer to have to work hard mm-hmm. um, or to spend some time or um, some effort, some meaningful effort. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a really good question, which sort of like implicates me personally. <laughs> um I am a shy person, I would say. Some of my friends say, Granville, you're not shy at all. 
I think I am. I'm like an introverted extrovert, mm-hmm. right? I guess. Um, but I usually don't like to be like seen. I don't like to be in the spotlight. Um, but it's really interesting that like in my day to day, I like to just sort of, you know, flow through and just be. But then when it comes to art, it's like I'm a whole different person. You know, it's I'm more of a rebel than I would say in my day to day, right? Um, I'm obviously using myself in the image, mm-hmm. which is sort of an act of vulnerability, or at least trying to get to a place of vulnerability, which actually I think is at the core mm-hmm. of this idea of like self opacity. Um, but also wanting people to understand like the complexities of what it means to be human. You know, like you can't just look upon somebody and say, I get them. You just can't, Mm -hmm. you know, you have to sit there and spend time. You have to feel their energy. You have to observe their body language and their eye movements and listen to the tone of their voice and all of these things. And so when it comes to image making, you know, I want the viewer to have to engage with the space or the subject in that same complex manner that you cannot just look upon this and say, oh, well, it's beautiful and write it off or, oh, it's cosmos and write it off. Sure. It's all those things, but it's so much more. Mm-hmm. And so if you, this is my belief about the viewer, right? <laughs> is that if someone approaches it and they see it from a very shallow perspective, that's because that's where they're able to meet themselves, mm-hmm. um, which is not me to make a judgment call about them, you know, to say that they're a shallow person, but to say, you have to dig deeper. You have to use your imagination to activate what's happening in this image because I'm giving you a lot to look at. I'm, I mean, some of it is abstract, but enough of it is so representational that you can start to pull the pieces together. Mm-hmm. And of course, people from different backgrounds, cultures, uh, belief systems and stuff are gonna come to it with different experiences and perspectives, but that's part of what I want, you know, because that is allowing the conversation to grow and unfold. So it begins with the imagination, you yeah. know, Imagine something in which doesn't exist, but exists within the mind. Mm -hmm. And then once you do that, it activates a part of yourself in which you start to see the world from a different perspective. And, you know, you don't want to have to hide, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Or be too opaque to where people can't enter you in some capacity. You know, it's all about this balance of being accessible but then also making space for self. Mm -hmm. It's all about the meeting point between self and the viewer, creator and the experiencer, but then also trying to look at everything from the perspective of the ultimate observer, which is seeing self in relation to the whole of existence. Yeah, yeah. Um, I really appreciate that because what you are doing is so difficult, but at the same time, there's so much hope in the possibilities of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you have to hold on to that in terms of your um, your hope in humanity, just kind of to speak very generally about it. Yeah. Um, and I struggle with that. <laughs> so you you challenge me in terms of, and I'm th- I'm talking a lot about resolving things and resolution and what it. Yes. The possibility of resolution starts off with, I think, this hope that there could be some understanding. And mm-hmm. in that understanding, it doesn't mean um, totality, like a total of understanding. Right. But it is, I think, in understanding is this 
acceptance of complexity. And when I, with your work and also um, hearing you speak about your work and reading interviews um, with you about this work, um, it, I find it very challenging because I um, am very pessimistic in, <laughs> in that sense, you know? Okay, um, I'm here for it. And yeah, I'm, I'm pessimistic in my real life and I'm kind of pessimistic sometimes with the work. And mm-hmm. I'm um, unfortunately sometimes very dismissive and mm-hmm. And and how I work, I don't even really think about the viewer, and yeah. and that's mainly for me. But I've also been wondering if that's also been a part of my issues with even imagining that there could be some resolve, mm-hmm. or that there could be some um, understanding that I could start off with, where I'm like, I want to be understood, or I want yeah. people to think deeply about this thing, and so therefore I will try at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, it happens, and I and I think that's also part of the magic of art and the also the magic of relation and Absolutely. also the magic of being a human and and perspectives and being able to bring that thing that you're speaking about where you are creating images that never existed mm-hmm. things that you've never that we physically and and uh, in reality could never see right um, and sort of using those tools of photography to create those worlds, um, but not just to be like, oh, look what I can do. Um, it is a, a very much like a way of relating um, and a, a relationship that's with the viewer to kind of invite them. Just exactly. A, just an invitation. I was and I love just that. thinking that. I was like, it's an invitation yeah. to the viewer. It's an invitation to anyone. You yeah. Know, to to enter my space, mm-hmm. you know, and hopefully like by that, it it provides them space to do the same for themselves and then space for them to do that for others you know like i talked about vulnerability and like showing yourself physically is like one form right because Mm -hmm. you're putting yourself out there to be judged to be talked about you know in ways that you may not really want yeah yeah (laughs) um and then also just like showing the body and sometimes nude perspectives and it's like whoa okay the world (laughs) is seeing my butt you know or (laughs) One thing is I would never do a full frontal <clears throat> because there's no need for me yeah. for my work. <laughs> but the other part of vulnerability is like our mental, emotional vulnerability. You know, like that's a really important aspect. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I've thought about this idea of hope, right, mm-hmm. within my work. And ask myself, like, why is that so important? And it's important because the world is not filled with hope especially lately, right? In the last almost two years, we've been dealing with this pandemic and all of this crazy stuff happening. And I just look at the world and I'm like, it's it's so dark. I understand that. Mm-hmm. I know that it's, it's not the best place all the time. Mm-hmm. But so I'm like, okay, well, what can I add to the narrative to help people in some way? You know, at least hopefully it touches one person to to remove themselves from this this abyss of negativity mm-hmm. and give them a little semblance of, of, of light, you know? Um, and like personally, I've experienced a lot of pain, you know, mm-hmm. like I don't wanna go through life continuing to just experience pain, but I want to experience what's on the other side of that, you know, which is love and it's joy and it's happiness and it's imagining the unimaginable and stepping into that realm and it's it's like being a child right yeah. i'm speaking to my inner child 
that then hopefully we'll speak to other people's inner child and yeah. be like, look, y'all, let's play a little bit. The world is dark. The world is ugly. But you know what? It's also really incredibly beautiful. And if yeah. we can tap into that, then we can actually begin to start thinking about new ways of being, which hopefully could then redirect our course in terms of everything, right? Politics, environment, um, social identity constructs, and all these things, right? To like mm -hmm. push people to just think a little bit differently about what we've been given, because this isn't all that there is. So yeah, I invite the viewer. <laughs> All right, so Granville, um, in you talking about this work and also this invitation and, um, and, and, and how you're making this work as something that I think that you need mm -hmm. and also want to bring other, others into, there is a moment when we were doing one of our like very long conversations <laughs> in your studio mm -hmm. where um, I think we were both sharing about topics that are off limits to us that we are thinking about. And we know that they're there, but we're not ready to integrate into the, the work. Mm -hmm. And you said, I wish I didn't have to make this work. Yeah. And can you talk about that and also just kind of expand on what, what, what you, what you meant when you said that. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, you know, the plight of the black artists yeah. is difficult. <laughs> um, I'll be honest, when I first started photography and was like, oh, I'm gonna be an artist, you know, I was so naive to think <laughs> that like, it was just all fun and games, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know? I was young and excited about something new, right? But when I got to grad school, and I had all of these projections about my work being about the black experience, uh, you know, about representation, this representation, that. And I'm like, but I don't want to talk about those things. I want to talk about other things that to me, you know, not to say that these things don't matter, but to me are more important, hmm. you know, personally. Like, I feel like the concepts I want to talk about, like solitude and isolation, you know, hmm. talking about uh you know like the mental experiential philosophical stuff about the world right like that's what really gets my fires going yeah but everyone's like oh well you gotta talk about because you're a black self-portrait artist and i'm like well shit <laughs> you know damn <laughs> and so when i came to this conclusion of like i don't have to actually mm. just because these white folks say I have to, mm -hmm. and they're interested in these topics, and that means a lot to them. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean that I have to. But then I started to sort of spiral down into this, this space in which I was like, well, but I kind of do. Hmm. Because these are real issues that affect the community. You know, the ideas of race don't just affect black people. It affects all of us. Yeah. And so I then had to decide, like, how do I blend these philosophical, spiritual, otherworldly ideas that I have about life and existence with the very real heaviness of race politics and social identity and all of that in between? Yeah. And, you know, I think I'm doing a fairly good job at finding the balance, but it's a continuous journey. Mm -hmm. um, but I just, I wish I didn't have to make the work. Mm -hmm. 
because you know you look at you know these white artists or even other artists sometimes too and they are not greeted with the same expectation and i'm just like wow i wonder how freeing that is yeah to be able to pick up whatever idea whatever whatever it is you want to investigate and engage with and run with it without anybody questioning you about what it means in terms of your own personal identity. Yeah. Um, yeah. I couldn't just neglect the fact that these are issues that are happening, you know, not to say that I wasn't aware of them before, but I just wasn't actively engaged with it in my work. Mm-hmm. And so now it's, I'm making work about blackness when I said I don't want to make work about blackness, but I'm doing it in a way that feels comfortable and feels genuine and honest to me. So it's not like Dark Matter, this project that I worked on at the residency here. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's looking at racial blackness and the construction of it, you know, through some research and other stuff that I've that I've gone into, but I'm saying let's look at it differently. You know, there's there's liquid blackness, this theory that was founded by Dr. Alessandra Rangel mm-hmm. at uh, Georgia State University and her students. And it's a phenomenal, phenomenal um, research group, you know, mm-hmm. that's looking at this idea of like blackness and the sensory experience of it and primarily looking at it through film. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's just so much like, there's a wealth of knowledge there in terms of like how we all approach blackness, which got me thinking about like, well, blackness can mean so many things, right? Yeah. It can be death. It could be the night sky. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be heaviness, but it can also be light. You know, like there's all of these ways that we can envision it. And so I don't want to make the work because personally it it affects me emotionally in a way that I, I just don't like to feel. You know, I don't yeah. want to feel heavy all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but by doing this project, you know, it's like I'm associating blackness with power. I'm creating temporal blackness. Mm-hmm. I'm opening up to spiritual and spatial blackness, you know, so that when the viewer interacts with this, they don't know what they're looking at, but they know that they see blackness. Yeah. And then they are then not going to have to be confronted with their own ideas about what blackness means to them, but then also look at what I'm presenting them myself. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a strange place to be in, mm-hmm. you know, what someone had told me before is that if we black artists don't do the work, who else will? Because no one else can. You know, if a white person comes in here trying to talk about racial blackness in the same capacity that, you know, we do, people can be like, what are you doing? Yeah. That's appropriation. Oh, you know, like there's mm-hmm. all of this stuff. And you know what? Maybe that should happen. And it has happened, you know, in terms of uh, like reception of certain works. There, there are, you know, there was that issue at the Whitney mm-hmm. um, where there was a protest um, that entered a very complex conversation around representation and sort of the limitations of representation yeah. around that work as well. Um, there have been protests um, by uh, a very like a, a very famous artist <laughs> <laughs> who I'm just going to refer to as just a famous artist yeah. um, who was taking liberties with images taken from black magazines. So, so Jet and Ebony um, mm-hmm. and thinking of who has um, not necessarily who has ownership of those conversations, but I think how you are approaching it as someone who's very aware of their own complexity. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there is that 
very complex space that we have to exist in where um, there is this projection of flatness onto you, yes. you know, and, and that critique of, sure, I don't, I, I'm going to go past you being introspective and being authentic in your work. Mm-hmm. And what I'm going to do is flatten it out to a generalization that I understand as a viewer. And um, that is incredibly painful. Uh, yeah. It's disheartening <laughs> as an artist. So because, much. Yeah. Because it, it's also disheartening as a human being who exists and um, breathes and lives and walks through time and has mm-hmm. had a history before and will have a his- have like a future after. Right. And so, um, so it's something that I, I'm also aware of mm-hmm. and I, you know, just for personal reasons, just like I, I kind of, um, this has a lot to, to also a lot to do with the pessimism <laughs> <laughs> that I hold on to mm-hmm. and the hope, when, the hope that I'm referring to in, in, in your work, um, there's also a patience there. And mm-hmm. um, with me, there is a, an emphatic impatience, I'll say, not necessarily in my work, but in my process um, or things that I choose not to address. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I'm, I'm not a self, I make self-portraits, but I make them very abstracted. Right. And, um, and so then I have come across the frustration of viewers not being able to race me that's so fantastic. Yeah. You know, <laughs> because they don't have to have access and we don't oh, have yeah. to have, you know, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And mm. and so a part of that is not on purpose. Right. I'm not thinking of them. That's as I said before. Like yeah. I'm not thinking, I'm not thinking about the viewer. <laughs> I I can't I the way I work, I set it up where I care more about myself mm. than the viewer, and it is a conscious effort because um it's me responding to me being very, very hypervigilant of yeah. others. And so when I go in, it's me and I don't walk around racing myself. Mm-hmm. I don't walk around thinking of how I also am uncomfortable with straight self-portraits. Um, but also the the conversations I'm having are very introspective and yeah. very psychological and instinctual. And so then just even by the how that manifests, um, you know, there is the struggle of the viewer wanting to recognize mm-hmm. when they see me, they want to see that in the work somehow where they're kind of like, oh, this is, this is black art. No, exactly. Like, oh. And so then with you, because it is such a different manifestation um, of this introspective introspection, but mm-hmm. you're also in conversation around this need to be flattened and yeah. you are um i think quite successfully challenging that and i think um what you you're doing with this book as well um being able to work in the language of a book mm-hmm. you know it's it's personal you're holding it um it's a it can be a singular experience but also you're very much in control of what's in it how right. it looks how it feels mm-hmm. and in this process of the choices that you're making. So then do you feel different in this book form in terms of this, um, in terms of the work that you wish that you didn't have to make? I do actually. Um, so like one thing that like I really struggled with, cause I remember having conversations with people about this very similar topic of right, mm-hmm. but like not really wanting to have, having to do this work. Mm-hmm. It's so much work. 
Um, and they're like, well, if you don't want to talk about it, just remove your body from it. And I was like, uh, child, no. <laughs> because then I'm implicating myself in the ideas of black erasure. And I just don't feel comfortable doing that. Simply, mm. I don't want to respond to it that way. So with dark matter, you know, I think I've evolved to a point where I understand that removing the physical representation of my body mm. does not mean that I'm removing blackness necessarily, you yeah. know, and that like my hand being in the image by me taking it, by manipulating the exposure as I choose to, making it black and white, you know, putting it into this container, the book form, you know, like this is a self-portrait, even though it is not a direct representation of me. Yes, you yes. Know? And so it excites me, mm -hmm. even though now with I have version six that I have, yeah, I have version six. So excited. I'm working on version seven. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> I'm gonna hopefully stop sequencing so I can get to an endpoint. But you know, I initially, like I said, you know, I didn't want to have the self-portraits in there because I wanted to challenge myself with a different sort of visual strategy. Mm. But with these later versions, I've reincorporated some composites, I've reincorporated some self-portraits. Um, but the self-portraits, most of them are solid black figures printed on black paper with light, but it's black. So I'm like, all right, so if you're going to flatten me to this two-dimensional plane <laughs> of existence, I'm gonna go ahead and do it so I could show you that even in the two-dimensional plane, there's so much power and beauty and sovereignty there. Mm -hmm. you know. And then it still is unfolding into several other planes of dimension hmm. because of the way that you're turning the page, the way that light interacts with it. It's sensory, mm -hmm. that's what I want. And so, yeah, I'm excited because I'm now taking all of these experiences that I've had, you know, in the last couple of years, uh, all that I've learned, you know, from my personal to the academic, intellectual, whatever, um, and incorporating that you know, and finding new ways to to address those concerns that I have about the way that we are looked at as black people. I mean, I have to say that you describing that, because I haven't seen it, haven't seen this latest iteration of your book in process, but I went through your website mm -hmm. and it reminds me, how you're describing it reminds me of, I believe the series is called Solitude or one of the images is, image is called Solitude. Are they the... self-portraits in very little light? Yeah, com like almost completely black. Almost completely black. Black Serenity. Yes, yes. Black Serenity. Black yes. Serenity is the name. Um, there are some images in there that I really, really, really love. And so then as, you're, as you were describing this um, kind of like a reaction to flatness, a reaction to being flattened, mm -hmm. I thought about that series. Um, and and I know it's not the same, yeah. um, and because that's older work, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, from twenty eighteen. Yeah, yeah. And thinking about, huh? Okay, so this is twenty twenty one Granville, um, that has done all this work and mm -hmm. all this research, and has been through this residency and through so much process. It feels like, yeah, it could be a return. It is okay. Yeah, no, okay. you're you're right on okay. right on point. <laughs> Um, because Black Serenity is a project that got me thinking about all of this stuff. Hmm. You know, that's uh, that was the first project that I developed in grad school. 
because my professor said, why do you have to do everything in the computer? Why don't you try something different? Yeah. Okay. So I said, you know what? I'm going to take you up on this challenge. You're right. I'm here to learn something new. I'm here to be pushed. Let's go for it. So, you know, being in this new state of New York, I had never been here until the day I moved to New York. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm around, just, it's just it was so foreign. And so I really started to think about isolation, isolation and solitude. Mm-hmm. And what does that look like for me? Mm-hmm. You know, what does that look like for other people? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, like I went with blackness because the darkness is a space of possibility, mm-hmm. but it's also a space that can be a detriment. And so I wanted to play with the, that duality, right? Between, yeah. which talks about isolation, usually connected to like a negative sense of, of loneliness, but then solitude, which is like healing and reconnection to self. Yeah. So I bring this work into for crit. I'm stoked about it. I'm like, baby, I just made something great. I'm excited to show something different. And then that's when the conversations came flooding in. Oh, this is about the black experience. Oh, this is about being yep. black and da, 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 da. And it was like, I mean, I guess yes, because I'm a black man and I'm sharing my experience, but it's, I'm not speaking for the whole, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not the monolith for the community. Yeah. You know, I have actually a very diverse family and we're not all black. Mm-hmm. And so like, you know, just even that, I was like, I don't want to, I don't know what you, what you want from me. Hmm. So I ended up talking. I, now I can't talk about that work without talking about racial blackness, mm-hmm. which makes me a little upset uh, because I really do love that project, but I don't really want to touch it again because it's just, there's too much surrounding yeah. it internally yeah. that I, I need to unpack. But dark matter was sort of a return mm-hmm. to black serenity. Mm-hmm. But then thinking about like, just thinking about it differently. Okay, so I have created this space, you know, using darkness Mm -hmm. um, to talk about this this canvas of potential and possibility, the imagination. Um, So now let me actually fill in the space, you know, with poetry, with these abstract images of water and the land and the sky. and so, yeah, it's it's this weird sort of cyclical approach. Yeah. But what I always tend to do with my work is try to find that thread that's woven through everything that I do because there's no separation, mm-hmm. right? Um, everything that I'm doing is influenced by my past and my hope for the future. Um, and so... So yeah, so as I'm thinking about dark matter, I'm thinking about Black Serenity, I'm thinking about Because the Sun Had Looked Upon Me and all the other projects that I've done. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, seeing what did I miss mm-hmm. on the first initial round and how can I then re-envision and put it out there in a new way, so. Yeah. I mean, is there anything else you wanted to talk about during your time as a resident? So the the thing that sort of surprised me is how closely related my work is to death. Hmm. I hadn't, like I said, I hadn't thought about it, hmm. which I don't know why that's so surprising to me because I'm talking about spirituality. I'm talking hmm. about, you know, these different dimensions, which should obviously incorporate death, but it hmm. just was not at the forefront. Hmm. But a colleague of mine invited me to do a show um, surrounding photography and death. So that got me really thinking about it. Um, and then as I was just, 
contemplating the book Dark Matter that I'm creating, you know, and like it is the cycle of life and death that has brought us to this exact point. Mm-hmm. You know, like you had to have matter that came into being, but then disintegrated and fell back down. And then it's this whole cycle that repeats itself. And so, you know, it's not directly like shown in there by you don't see any dead animals or mm-hmm. really like dead leaves or anything like that. But but it's there as part of the existential quandary that I am constantly faced with. <laughs> uh, and then the writings as well, my poem, are sort of connected to these ideas too, you know, and like, and just transformation. It's this idea of transformation and transmutation. Mm-hmm. So that was really exciting, but then also kind of scary because death is a lot, right? And I remember coming across the song that my sister sent me called A Call, A-K-A-L, sometimes mm-hmm. is how it's spelled, but it's A Call. And it's from the Kundalini tradition, Sikh tradition in India. And it means the act of undying. So when a soul is departing or has departed from this world, you chant this mm-hmm. to allow their passage to the next dimension to to be peaceful. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I'm listening to this song, so I'm like, oh, it's just really beautiful. It has one of my favorite artists in there, Trevor Hall. So I was like, oh, this is just great. But I was like, what is this word? So that's when I looked it up and yeah. found all this information. And so that idea, the act of undying, is lingering in my mind. Mm-hmm. And I cannot, for the life of me, fully understand it. I mean, it seems kind of simple, right? Like infinite, like forever, but it's 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 just not that simple. Oh, no. I know it's not that simple. Yeah. And so that that's like the biggest thing from the residency from this project that has like pushed me into a new way of thinking. And then with current life events happening, you know, it's pushed me even further down this sort of pathway of wanting to really look at death, how it affects the living how we think about it in terms of just existence and totality, uh, but then also like really, really, really thinking about the next step of evolution, the next step of being, or how many stages of being are there, mm-hmm. you know? So we'll see how it unfolds and manifests in the work in the future. <laughs> yeah, this has been really wonderful. And thank you for being so generous, honest, and, and thoughtful about your work and we'll continue talking because it oh, always. is always ours. And there you have it. For more about Granville Carroll and his work, check out his website at granvillecarroll.com and follow him on Instagram at granville underscore Carroll. Those links are in the show notes. And for more information about the Visual Studies Workshop, feel free to visit us at vsw.org, where we have more info about our upcoming events, both in person and online. And keep in touch. Follow us on Twitch and Instagram at the Visual Studies Workshop. And send me an email at ernezdavis at vsw.org. That's H-E-R-N-E-A-S-E-D-A-V-I-S at vsw.org. And don't worry, those links are also in the show notes. This podcast is funded in part by the New York State Council on the Arts with the support of New York State Legislature. 
And thank you so much for listening to this conversation with artist Granville Carroll. Stay tuned for the next episode. And until then, please take care. Bye.